Well, throughout this series, we have seen that God provides wisdom and understanding in his word, but we won't actually be people who walk in wisdom until we put that to work in our lives. Proverbs 14.1, we looked at our very first night that we launched into this series. It says that a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. It takes absolutely no effort to tear down. But it takes effort and intentionality to build, to be that wise woman who builds. So throughout this series, we have talked about building wisdom into different areas of our life. We talked about building wisdom into our security as a daughter of God, into our plans and priorities, into our character, into our sexuality and marriages, into the next generation, into our finances. And tonight, we're going to be talking about building wisdom into our relationships. Now, relationships is a broad topic. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we could talk about related to relationships. In fact, we could do an entire series on relationships. So we are going to try to hit on some key things tonight that will help all of us have healthy thriving relationships, okay? So I know it's a lot to squeeze in in one night. So are you ready? Can you listen fast? <laughs> and I will try to talk fast, but not too fast. <laughs> All right. You know, God created us as relational beings. He wants us to have relationship. He created us for relationship with him and for relationship with each other. And without relationships, we miss out on one of the greatest joys of life. Yet, so many people are fearful of getting connected in relationships with other people. Maybe they've been wounded. Maybe they've been hurt in the past. Some people would rather hide, thinking, oh, it's just safer. I'll just stay back here. I'm not really going to connect with anyone. But did you know that Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself, or a woman who isolates herself, seeks her own desire and rages against all wise judgment. Sometimes we want to isolate just out of our own desire. Oh, well, it's safer. Oh, I'll just protect myself by isolating. But that's just our fleshly desire. And it tells us that that is unwise. That is not wisdom. I have a friend and... <sighs> Years, I heard her story several years after knowing her, and I, it was so interesting to me to find out what had transpired in her life before I knew her. But she had gone through a lot of things in her life that she felt women were judging her for, criticizing her for, and she became so resistant to relationships with women. And someone she knew kept inviting her to come to the women's gatherings at her church. And she said, no, 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 every time she was invited. Until finally, 
She couldn't say no anymore. And so finally, she, one time she went just out of obligation, okay, I'll get it over with, I'll just go this once. And she said she was overwhelmed. She didn't know what it was, but she saw something different. And she saw friendships among women like she'd never seen or experienced before. And so she kept going and she kept going and she kept going until finally she let down her guard. She let down her walls and she started interacting with people. And she started allowing herself to get connected in relationships with other women. And before she knew it, she was volunteering. And then she was on the leadership team. And then she was leading small groups for women. And the things that had happened to her in her past that she had always felt judged for in the past, things that God had brought her through, she was now using those things in small groups, ministering to other women who had gone through similar things. And one small group turned into another small group, into another small group. She was speaking to many women sharing her story, encouraging them, she started seeing her life thrive like she never dreamed possible. She started experiencing fulfillment like she never knew was possible. But it only happened because she allowed herself to connect in relationship with other women. You never know what will happen. God created us to be in connection and relationship with others. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9. It says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You see, God wants our relationships to be like this, that kind of relationship where we help each other. We help each other succeed. We cheer each other on. We pick each other up. We support each other. We fight for each other. We stand with each other. That's how God wants us to have relationship with each other. That is not how the world usually does relationships, is it? But we can have that kind of relationship in the family of God. And when our relationships revolve around him and other believers. You know, I think at the core, all of us desire healthy relationships. And God put that desire within us. But I think sometimes we don't know how to go about having healthy relationships. Because they don't just automatically happen. Has anyone ever noticed that? And sometimes when they don't happen for us... We get upset when we get offended or when we have a relationship that is not thriving, that seems a little less than healthy or disappointing. We get upset at the other person. We blame the other person. But healthy relationships, we need to understand, don't 
just happen. They take intentional effort. You know, we can't take responsibility for anyone else's part in a relationship. But we all need to take responsibility for our own part. And Proverbs is a goldmine of wisdom regarding how to create healthy relationships. And so we're going to be looking at a lot of verses tonight. So if you are a note taker and you've got your notebooks, get your pens and your fingers ready, all right? Because this, like I said, this is the conclusion of our series when we've been studying wisdom. This is a study. So we're going to look at lots of scriptures, okay? And first of all, we need to understand that we will all have different types of relationships. Sometimes we can just think, oh, well, a friendship is a friendship. No, there's all different types of friendships, all different types of relationships that we'll have. There will be those who are closest to us, our most intimate friendships and relationships. And then there will be others that are close but not quite as intimate as the others. And then there will be some that are a little more distant, some that are more of acquaintances. And we're going to talk about a couple different types of relationships tonight. But before we do that, let's talk about being the person that we need to be to have healthy relationships. Because the responsibility starts with us, okay? Now, there's many verses, in, especially in Proverbs, that talk about a friend, being a good friend. But you know... Those verses don't just apply to a relationship with our girlfriends because our husband should be our friend too, right? And these verses really have so much truth in them that should apply to all of our relationships, all of our close relationships especially. See, if we want healthy relationships, we need to be a healthy friend. So let's talk about how to be that healthy friend First, let's look at some qualities of a good friend. <clears throat> a good friend is faithful and loyal. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times. Not just sometimes. Not just when it's easy. Not just when your friend's giving you a present. Not just when they're taking you to lunch. Not when everything's great, but all the time. In difficulty as well as in happy times. We need to be that kind of faithful and loyal friend at all times. And then another quality of a good friend is to be truthful. Ephesians 4.15 tells us that we should speak the truth in love. Right? That doesn't mean, well, I want you to know I love you, but I really disagree with what you're doing. And you're not doing that right. And I think you are just way off. No, that's not really, uh, just because we preface it with the word love, mm, that's not really it. See, people want to know how much we love them and care about them. And once they are confident of that, then it opens the door to be able to speak truth into their lives because they know that you're looking out for their best and you love them. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, <clears throat> but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Sometimes we need to have hard conversations with friends, but 
when we do it in love, when they know that we love them, they are going to recognize that we are a faithful friend. All right? Along with that, let me just throw in there, don't be so quick to jump on someone's bandwagon with them. Maybe someone calls you and says, oh, you can't believe what happened. You can't believe what they did to me. Ah, da, 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 As we do. <laughs> and we have to be the one that listens with an objective ear. And if there needs to be another perspective brought to the situation because maybe they're just a little emotional over it at the moment, we can say, you know, I totally can see how that hurt you. But have you ever thought about and speak truth in love? Bring that other perspective. Sometimes as girlfriends, we can just so easily, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that to you. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we need to be women who speak truth into our friendships in love, all right? <clears throat> Another quality of a good friend is to be safe. Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. People need to know that they can confide in us, and what they confide is safe. That we're not going to take that, we're not going to blab it to everybody else around us. They're safe. But also, they need to know that if something has happened between us, that we're not going to be constantly bringing that up, throwing it in their face. We're going to let love cover and move beyond it. All right? We need to be safe. We also need to be wise. Proverbs 27, 9 says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. We need to be women who will give wise counsel to other people. And that brings delight to their heart. Just a few verses later in verse 17, it says, and as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need to be women who are wise, that will speak wisdom into each other's lives. Because when we do, we'll make each other better. We'll strengthen each other. We'll make each other sharper and better moving forward. All right? And not only do we need to be wise, but we need to be kind. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Not just wisdom, but kindness also. A good friend is also empathetic. Able to identify with the feelings of other people. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Have you ever been going through a hard time and crying your eyes out and had someone just come and they were just not even interested? You tried to talk to someone and they just didn't even have the time of day and they just brushed you off? That hurts. We want a friend who's going who's gonna to understand those tears, maybe even shed a few themselves with us and understand what we're going through. And encourage us and love us. 
but also one who will rejoice with us when we rejoice. I know in my life, I remember when I was uh, just a very young adult, I did not have people in my world who would rejoice with me when something good happened. I hadn't really had people in my life like that. And I'll never forget one time, I think I had gotten a new car. And I had a girlfriend that was so happy for me and so excited for me that I got a new car. And it was really shocking to me because I'd never experienced anyone being so happy for me and celebrating with me when something good happened. And it just took me off guard. And, and um, I remember in that moment thinking, wow, like she could probably use a new car more than I needed the new car. And she's so happy for me, genuinely happy. I thought, wow, I've never experienced that before. But that's the kind of friend I want to be. It so struck me, and I just set in my heart in that moment, I want to be a friend that celebrates with other people, that rejoices with them when th good things happen. We should be that kind of friend for others. So those are some of the qualities we see in the word of a good friend. But let's look at some other qualities of what a good friend is not to help us see even more so what we should be or not be. A good friend is not monopolizing. Proverbs 25, 17 says, Seldom set your foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. Oh. <laughs> so, we should not monopolize our friend's life, home, time, Oh, we're BFFs. Oh, we have to spend every minute together. Oh, you know, that can be a little overwhelming. And sometimes women can get like that and think that they can only have one good friend. Ladies, we need to have lots of friends. We'll have different types of friends. And we need to allow other people, we need to allow our friends to have other friends and not be jealous of that, okay? We've got to be careful that we don't smother our friends lest they become weary of us and hate us. Ah, yikes. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Okay, and a good friend is not imposing. Proverbs 27, 14 says, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Now, do we have any non-morning people here? <laughs> okay. So if you have someone in your house that is such a super extreme morning person, ah, it's such a great day! Wake up, everybody! The sun is shining! How does that make you feel? <laughs> it says it will be counted a curse to him. <laughs> or maybe you just want to curse him. But <laughs> no, you don't. You're godly women. Okay. <laughs> but we do need to recognize that we should all learn to be content and have joy 
all the time, okay? So that we don't need to be grumpy, moody women. God did not create us to be that. But on the flip side, we don't need to impose our wiring on people who are wired a little differently. Make sense? <laughs> so, <laughs> we do that in so many different ways. Okay, that's just one example. But we can impose our wiring, our preferences, our opinions on other people so easily. Especially if we're someone with a strong personality. Opinions are right. <clears throat> Not that any of you would ever think that. <laughs> but we need to be really careful. You know, I was talking with someone this last week, and they were sharing a family situation with me where there's two siblings who had been really good friends. But one sibling decided they needed to impose views of child rearing on the other sibling and criticize how they were raising their children and tell them how they needed to be raising their children. And it devastated the relationship between them. And they're not speaking to each other. And the parents' hearts are broken because these two siblings who had been so close aren't speaking. Holidays are around the corner. They won't come to the same home for a holiday gathering. We need to be really careful about imposing our views, our opinions, our wiring on other people, okay? We need to be gentle. We need to respect other people's views as well, all right? A good friend is not imposing. Next thing, a good friend is not a liar. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 says, Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. <clears throat> lies will destroy relationships. Lies break trust. And we need to recognize that. Be truthful. A good friend is not a gossip. Proverbs 16, 28 says, And a whisperer separates the best of friends. We need to be the one that refuses to spread gossip, whispering about our friends to contentious. It can destroy relationships. And a good friend is not contentious or argumentative, or angry. Do you know four times Proverbs warn us against the contentious woman? It says that she annoys and repels people. She's annoying like the drip of a water. I recently had a dripping shower. I couldn't sleep. It was so annoying, it drove me crazy. <laughs> That's how a contentious woman is. <laughs> Other verses tell us that 
being a contentious woman repels people. People would rather dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a contentious woman or in the wilderness rather than in a house with a contentious woman. If we want to be a good friend, we can't repel people. <laughs> we will end up with no friends, okay? So those are just some qualities of a good friend and of what not to do in a friendship. So think about those things in your life. We should all ask ourselves, how can I be a better friend? Always growing in the type of friend that we are, okay? Now that we've talked about the type of friend we should be, let's talk about our friends, people we have relationships with. And I want to ask you a few questions. Do we pick our friends or do they just find us? Or is it just whoever's around us? Or do you think friendships just kind of happen? It's just, you know, those people that we encounter that we click with. I see so many people navigating friendships without wisdom because they think that Friendships are just coincidence. Oh, just the people that they encounter in life, and that who, that's who they're going to be close friends with. We need to recognize that our choice of friends is very important. The Bible makes it so clear that we need to be very intentional about the kind of people we choose to be our closest friends. Did you catch that? The ones we choose. It's not just coincidence, okay? We need to be choosing the people who are closest to us. Now, our closest friends may include some family members. It should include our spouse. They include people that God brings across our path. So let's talk about how we go about choosing healthy friends. First of all, we need to look for people who are wise. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. All right? So look for people who are wise if you want to become even wiser. And then we need to avoid people who are easily angered. Proverbs 22 and 24 says, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Hang out with angry people, and you'll set a trap for yourself. Okay? We also need to avoid people who are rebellious. Proverbs 17, 19 says, he who loves transgression, and that word transgression in this verse literally means rebellion, okay? It says, he who loves rebellion loves strife. If we hang out with rebellious people, there will always be strife. There will always be contention in our lives, and there will not be peace, okay? So we need to be looking at people, be looking at how they conduct their lives, their lifestyle. Are they rebellious? Are they rebellious with their parents? 
girls, our youth girls, look at that. Are they rebellious towards their parents? Are they rebellious towards God? Are they rebellious towards church? We all need to be looking at these qualities in their life when we choose our friends. Next, we need to look for people who are godly. Most importantly, Proverbs 12, 26 says, The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Hmm. You want good advice or you want to be led astray? Choose godly friends. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company ruins good morals. Another translation says it corrupts character. Too many people think, well, I am strong in God. I am strong in my beliefs. Nobody is going to sway me. I'm going to lead them to the Lord. They are not going to pull me down their road. If you are letting them into your inner circle to be your closest friends, you are deceiving yourself. Because those are the people who are most influential in our lives. We can still have a relationship with other people where it's the type of relationship that we're going to lead them to the Lord. But when it comes to choosing our closest friends, we need to choose godly people. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? We talk about this verse a lot in regards to who we're going to marry. But this applies to all of our relationships, all of our, our close, intimate friendships. Those who are closest to us should be believers. And... It's not enough for someone just to say they're a Christian. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, in other words, who says they're a Christian, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Whoa, that's strong. We need to not just say, oh, they said they're a Christian. We need to be looking at the fruit of their life. We need to be very intentional about who we allow in to be our closest friends, okay? We need to look at the fruit of people's lives. And we need to avoid intimate friendships with ungodly people. These are not the ones we should be pouring out our hearts to and going to for advice. Why? Because they're not going to give us godly advice, right? If they're not following God, how could they give us godly counsel? They're not the ones we should be spending our time hanging out with. Why? They're going to lead us down a different road because they're going down a different road. Okay? So, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, do I need to make any adjustments in my friendships? Sometimes we need to reevaluate and adjust some friendships. That doesn't mean we cut people off and say, oh, I'm done with you. I'm never talking to you again. No. You know what? Sometimes I talk to people about friendships and they say, oh, well, then I just cut them off. No, we don't have to be so extreme, ladies. We just need to remember that we'll have different types of relationships. 
I've had people in my life that have been very close to me at one time, but then they started going in a different direction. And I had to just put a bit more distance between us, between uh, me and that other person. And our relationship changed. And there's still people that I love and care about, but they're not going to be the ones who are most influential in my life. Okay? We need to recognize that sometimes we may just need to view someone as a different type of relationship as time goes by. If we want strong, healthy, godly relationships and we want to be growing in God, then we have to make sure that those closest to us are godly people. The ones speaking into our lives are people that are strong in God. Now, does that mean that we should not have any relationships with unbelievers? Of course not. We can't bury our heads in the sand. We live in this world. We are called to be light in the darkness, right? So we are going to have relationships with unbelievers. In fact, I want to quickly talk about two types of closer relationships, which may be with unbelievers. What if you are a youth girl? One of our youth here tonight. I love Monday nights with our bridge youth. What if you're a student living at home, you've found the Lord, given your life to him, but your family hasn't. Your parents are unsaved. How do you navigate that? Ephesians 6 tells us. Ephesians 6 Verses 1 through 3 said, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Girls, if any of you are here, and you have a relationship with God, but your parents don't, you need to know that you could very well be the one who will lead them to the Lord. I've seen it happen so many times where parents come to God and they tell me, we came to church and we found God because our child started going to church. And they asked us to come. It happens so often. So if that's you, remember that you are representing Jesus in your home. And he asks you to obey your parents and to honor them, okay? But if they are asking you to do something that you feel is not in line with God's word, something that is immoral or unethical, which sad to say, does happen from time to time. Then you need to lovingly talk to them and tell them that you're not comfortable with that. And if it is still an issue, then talk to one of the youth leaders, talk to the youth pastors, and they will help you navigate that with wisdom and with honor towards your parents, okay? We always need to give them honor because that is going to end up helping draw them to the Lord.
all right? Now, another type of relationship that may be a close relationship with an unsaved person, what if your husband is unsaved? The person that you want to be your closest friend might not be the one who's going to give you godly counsel. Wow, what do you do with that? 1 Peter 3 tells us, Verse 1, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. It says to be submissive to them. That does not mean to be a doormat, okay? But it means to come to a mutual arrangement, a mutual agreement, and to honor and respect them. Okay? You don't need to beat them up. You don't need to tell them that they need to be in church. You don't need to beat them up with your Bible and be quoting scriptures at them all day. It's by your conduct, by your loving, godly conduct that they will be won over to God. I have seen it happen firsthand. My mother-in-law loved God was in church and had her children in church every time the doors were open, praying for her unsaved husband for 25 years. And then he surrendered his life to God. Don't give up if that's you. Let your godly conduct win him over. And surround yourself with godly girlfriends who will encourage you, pray with you, and hold you up. All right? Okay, so we've talked about close relationships to us that will be relationships with believers. And then we've talked about a couple of relationships with unbelievers. But we'll have a lot of other relationships with unbelievers, relationships with this world around us as we go about our daily lives, right? Relationships that might include people that we work with, people that live by us, people that we do business with, even at the grocery store, out and about, running errands, the dry cleaners, wherever you go, the girl that does your nails, whoever it is. And they may even be unsafe family members. Now, even though these are not going to be our closest, most intimate relationships, how we navigate these relationships is vitally important to God. I've heard people say, oh, well, I don't really have to worry about those relationships. I mean, it's the body of Christ that I need to be concerned about and treat well, right? No. We need to treat everyone well. All of our relationships are important to God. In Luke 10, starting verse 26, there's a story of a religious leader who asked Jesus how one inherits eternal life. And Jesus says, well, you tell me. You know the law. You tell me what you think. And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's right. And the man said, yeah, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to share the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says, there's a man walking down the street, and the thieves come, and they rob him, they strip him, they beat him, they leave him on the side of the road as good as dead. And a religious leader comes and passes by, and he sees him, and he crosses over and passes by on the other side and doesn't do a thing. 
And a little while later, another religious leader comes and does the exact same thing, passing by. And later, a Samaritan comes by, and he stops, and he has compassion on the man. And he bandages his wounds, and he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to an inn that's there close by, and he nurses him back to health. He cares for him, and then he pays the innkeeper, and he gives him extra, and he tells him to take care of him until he is well enough to be on his own. Jesus was saying, this is your neighbor, anyone you come across in life. Now, go and do the same. He's saying, love others as you would want to be loved. Treat others as you would want to be treated. And there's so many verses in the Bible that we could take time to look at tonight, but we're not going to. But verses that talk about how we should treat other people. But, you know, we're not going to spend time looking at all of those because this story really encapsulates what God is asking us to do and how he wants us to treat others. If you think about this story, he's saying, be compassionate. Be selfless. Be willing to be inconvenienced and put others first. Be generous with your time, with your care, and with your resources. This week, we were at dinner with some friends, and they were sharing a story with us that made me think about the Good Samaritan. And they were sharing a story with us about the husband's father, who just recently passed away at almost 80 years of age. And they were talking with the neighbor and found out that this neighbor, the woman who lived across the street from this almost 80-year-old man, she had lost her husband. And she was going through a really difficult time and, and you know, of course, agonizing over the loss of her husband. But yet she's still needing to go about her daily life and fulfill her responsibilities and go to work at 4.30 in the morning. And so he wanted to do something to just extend love to her. So at 4.30 every morning, he would go out into his garage and he would put up the garage door and he would stand there and he would wave to send her off to work. As if to say, you're not alone. I care. You matter. It so touched my heart. And then he knew what time she came home. And when it was time for her to come home from work in the evenings, he was out there with the garage door raised, waiting for her, waving to greet her as she came home. Wow. That was so selfless. So generous with his time and with his care. Putting someone else first. Getting up to be outside at 4.30 in the morning. Who does that? That's, I have not been able to stop I haven't been able to stop thinking about that story since I heard it. That's what God calls us to do. 
to be people that love the world around us. Do you know why it's so important? It is vitally important to God how we treat the world around us. Because Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Did you know that most people come to God because of a neighbor? Maybe not a physical neighbor, but a person in their circle of influence. Someone at work. Someone down the street. Someone they meet along the way who talks with them and shares with them. We are all called to reflect Christ in our world. And we all need to ask ourselves, am I a good neighbor to the world around me? What am I doing to reflect Christ in my neighborhood, in my school, in my workplace, in my community, to my extended family? We'll have so many different kinds of relationships. But we're called to love everyone. They're just going to look a little different. But they're all going to be with people. And therefore, that means that there's the potential for conflict in any of our relationships, right? Have any of you ever had conflict in a relationship? A few of you, maybe. Okay. Well... The Bible gives us a lot of wisdom about how to resolve conflict. We're running out of time, so I'm going to do this quick. I want to give you some nuggets of how to resolve conflict, okay? First of all, stop it before it starts. Proverbs 17:14 tells us to stop contention before the quarrel starts. A lot of times... Strife will stem out of things that it doesn't, doesn't even need to be there. And one thing that very often causes strife and um, division and difficulty in a relationship is unmet expectations. And we can all be so guilty of that. We need to all be evaluating our expectations. Are they really just things that... We want to get our own way over? Or we think they should be doing it our way? We need, if we're feeling like we have unmet expectations, we need to take those expectations to God and talk to him about them. Ask him to help us examine those things and recognize that God loves all of us enough to give us a will, to allow us to make choices he doesn't try to control us. And maybe we need to love other people that much as well. Okay, moving along quickly. Just let you ponder that one for a moment. <laughs> if you want to resolve conflict, stop talking about the conflict. Proverbs 26, 20 tells us where there's no talebearer, strife ceases. Okay? Stop talking about it. And many things will just be diffused immediately. Another thing we need to do is speak gently and kindly. We're told that uh, in Proverbs 15.1, I'm just going to give you some of these verses. You can jot them down. A soft answer turns away wrath. Do you know that, I mean, not you, but many people can go from zero to 100 in two seconds flat? If someone says something we don't like, <laughs> 
like I said, none of you. But um, we need to understand how powerful a soft, gentle answer is. It can diffuse so much. We need to be able to lovingly confront. In Matthew 18, it tells us if someone sins against us or if someone offends us, we should go to them. Talk about it one-on-one. Not go to everybody else talking about it. Go to them. Talk about it. Try to resolve it. And if they don't want to resolve it, if they won't listen to what you have to say, it says then take someone with you. Take someone who's going to be a wise, unbiased person who's going to help bring resolution. And then if they still don't want to resolve the issue, then it says Go to the church. Talk to someone at the church. Maybe they can help. Maybe they can go with you. Maybe they can talk to this person. And then if they still don't want to resolve the issue, then we change the type of relationship we have with them. And then we just love them from more of a distance. It doesn't ever tell us, done with you. No, we just change the type of relationship we have with them. Another thing we need to do, which ties right into that, is pursue peace. Romans 12, 17 tells us that as much as it depends on us, we need to live peaceably with all men. We can only do so much. We can't take charge of how another person responds or acts or treats us. But we need to take responsibility for ourselves. We need to pursue peace in that relationship. And if they resist that, then okay, that's between them and God. We don't need to carry it. We don't need to worry about it. We leave it with God, and we just love them from a bit more of a distance. All right? You can only take responsibility for your part. Another thing, if we're going to resolve conflict, is we need to forgive and we need to seek forgiveness. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 tells us if we know someone is offended by us, has something against us, we need to go to them. We need to get it resolved. And then Ephesians 4.32 tells us that we need to forgive just as Christ forgive, forgave us. We need to be willing to accept responsibility and ask for forgiveness, but we also need to be willing to forgive. We all want God's forgiveness, but we need to be willing to extend that same forgiveness to others. If we want to resolve conflict, we can't be seeking revenge. We can't be holding on to offenses. We need to let things slide right off. Right? Right. Okay. (laughs) And last thing, if we want to resolve conflict, sometimes we need to create some healthy boundaries. So many Christians think that saying no or setting boundaries is unchristlike, and that could not be further from the truth. God established boundaries in creation. In the word, he makes it very clear who he is and who he's not. He confronts sin And he allows consequences for behavior. He didn't allow evil things to go on in his house. He said no to all kinds of inappropriate behavior and demands. 
He requires people to take responsibility for themselves. He extends grace and forgiveness, but then he also extends truth so that people will walk in the truth and turn from their sin. See, healthy boundaries are Christ-like because he himself set boundaries. And healthy boundaries are important for healthy relationships. And I want to tell you, if you have a situation that you're dealing with and you need some boundaries and you're not sure how to go about setting boundaries, I don't very often do this, but I want to recommend a resource to you that will really help you. There's two Christian doctors, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, who have written a book called Boundaries. And it is outstanding, and it will help you set boundaries. And then they've also written several others afterwards, Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries with Children, different ones. You can find them online. But boundaries are important. I wish we had time to do a whole teaching on boundaries, but we don't. So I wanted to recommend that resource to you. I had a time in my life when I needed to set some boundaries in a relationship that was not healthy. Someone who I worked with who was becoming very volatile towards me. And in fact, there was a period of time when it was so extreme and violent that I feared for my life. And I knew that was a place God had called me and where God had put me. I could have quit, I could have left, but I knew that wasn't what I was supposed to do. And so I got alone with God and I asked him to show me how to create some boundaries in that relationship. But I also began to pray for that person. And I asked God to show me what I could do to turn that relationship around. And he spoke to my heart and he said, I want you to sow security into her life. I was like, how do I do that? Sow security. He said, I want you to look for everything good that you can honestly compliment in her life. Things that you can praise her for. Oh, Philippians 4.8. Whatever is good and true and noble and praiseworthy. So I began to look for those things. And anytime I saw something, an area she was gifted in, talented in, I began to tell her how amazing she was. This was not an easy thing. But God showed me how to do it and gave me the strength and the courage to do it. And it wasn't immediate. It wasn't overnight. But that relationship completely changed to a point where she treated me like I was her best friend. I'm telling you, if you have conflict in a relationship, God wants to help you bring restoration, reconciliation, healing, and he will give you the wisdom to know how to do that. Anyone ever need help navigating relationships? Yeah, there is one friend who will always give you the perfect advice. Anyone ever feel like People have deserted you. There is one friend who will never leave you, never forsake you. Anyone ever wish you had a friend who would never let you down? There is one friend 
who is always faithful, who will never let you down, and who loves you with a perfect love. His name is Jesus. John 15, let me close with these verses. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus gave his very life for us so that we could live in friendship with him. How amazing is that? Maybe you've been here tonight listening, thinking, man, my friendships, my relationships need to be a little bit healthier. Can I tell you, it all starts with God. Maybe you've never experienced your own friendship with God. Maybe you know about God. Maybe you've grown up with religion. You've even read your Bible. But maybe you've never really had a friendship with God. Tonight, his arms are just wide open. Say, God, I call you friend. I gave my life for you. Anyone can come to him. And in a moment, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer with me. We're all going to pray it. But if that's you and you say, I want to start a friendship with God, I want to ask you to wrap your heart around these words as we all pray together. Can we do that? Father, I thank you that you love me. Can we repeat this together? Father, I thank you that you love me. And that you sent Jesus to give his life for me. So that I can live in friendship with you. And right now, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And I choose to live in friendship with you. From this moment forward. In Jesus' name. Ladies, while your heads are still bowed, I want to pray for you in this place tonight. Maybe you're here, and maybe you've got some relationships that need some healing. Maybe you've got some relationships that need some adjusting. I believe that the Holy Spirit has spoken to people tonight about relationships things that you can do, maybe adjustments you need to make. As I pray for you, I want you in your own heart, in your own words, just to talk to God about those situations and those relationships and just commit to him that you're going to do whatever it is that he's tugging on your heart asking you to do. Father, I just thank you for these beautiful women in this place tonight. And God, I pray right now for each of them for all of the relationships in their lives, God. 
Father, I pray that you would bring healing where healing is needed. God, bring healing in marriages. Bring healing in parent-child relationships, God. Bring healing in extended family relationships. Oh, God, bring healing in friendships. Father, God, I pray that you would just show each of us things that we can do to be a better friend, to love as you want us to love, God. And Father, I pray that you would give each one of us the courage to follow through with those things. And God, I just pray for each one as she takes those steps to do what you're asking her to do, God, I pray that you would meet her and that you would intervene in those relationships, God, in Jesus' name. We praise you and we thank you for it. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Ladies, God loves you so much and he cares so much about you and all of your relationships. Talk to him about all of it, all right? All right. Let's be women who put his wisdom to work in our relationships, amen? Well, ladies, thank you so much for being here tonight. Why don't you take, I know we went a little bit long, but why don't you take the next five minutes at your tables and maybe just go around quickly. I'm going to ask you to do something supernatural, okay? Something that is really hard for women. It's going to need God's help to do this. In like, mm, three words might be impossible, but the shortest sentence you've ever said. <laughs> Say one thing that you're taking away tonight, that God spoke to you. Share with the ladies at your table, okay? And if anyone wants prayer tonight, please let someone at your table know, oh, and I almost forgot one more thing. If you prayed that prayer and you wanna start relationship, friendship with God tonight, please let your table host know. They just have a little gift they'd love to give you, a little booklet that will help you get started walking with God. Okay? Love you ladies so, so much. Have an amazing Thanksgiving and holiday, and we will see you back at Bridge Women January 27th.